For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Duncan had it. They turned it over. Alley-oop back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Hello and welcome to the Wolf Among Wolves podcast. I am your host, Brendan Hedke. As always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Hedke NBA. Uh, the show is also always a part of the A Wolf Among Wolves podcast network on awolfamongwolves.com. Make sure to check out all the written work that's uh, going on over there. I personally have written a bunch lately. I've been ha- having a lot of fun with it. I've just kind of been getting a really good urge uh, to write some pieces. So I hope you guys have been enjoying those. Uh, it's been about just about a week since I last recorded. I think my last recording was right before the Timberwolves went out and beat the Pelicans, uh, you know, last Saturday or whatever day that was. And so we haven't talked about that game at all, but that was a really solid game. It got a little a little intense at the end. Like, you know, I was getting nervous that the Timberwolves were going to blow that game as well. But they ended up winning. Um, they closed it out. And that was without D'Angelo Russell. That was a Ricky Rubio-led Timberwolves team. And they beat a much more star-studded Pelicans team with Zion, with Brandon Ingram. Um, we, we had Malik Beasley. And Josh Okogie and Ricky Rubio and Nas Reed. And those were the guys that went out and beat the Pelicans. And the Pelicans aren't like top of the league type of team or anything in, in that regard. They're they're a middling team that has been struggling. And I think a lot of that comes down to coaching and Stan Van Gundy just having no clue how to utilize his best players. But it's still an impressive win because they were a more talented team. They still had Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson and... Nas Reed and Ed Davis and Jaden McDaniels, who is 100 pounds, 100 pounds lighter than uh, Zion Williamson, helped shut him down. Um, And that was impressive. But then the Timberwolves followed up with two games against the Golden State Warriors, one on Monday night and one last night as I'm recording this. I am recording this right now on Thursday after the Timberwolves lost last night to the Warriors. Uh, the the game on Monday, Timberwolves lost 130, 108. 
Uh, again, without D'Angelo Russell, still Carl Anthony Towns in um, COVID protocols, health and safety protocols. And that game, the Warriors pretty much had like a 15-point lead for the entirety of the game, 15-20-point to 20 point lead. And you never really felt like the Timberwolves had much of a chance to come back every time they got it down to like 13, Steph would hit a three or Wiggins would do something or whatever. And last night's game was kind of a different story. I felt like the Timberwolves, I never necessarily thought they were like for surely going to win this game or like we're going to come back. But it was a much more enjoyable and a much less frustrating game where the Timberwolves weren't out of it until the end. And that's pretty much all you can ask for as a as a Timberwolves fan. I think, um, you know, all the really bad losses have just really struggled. And the, and the Warriors again aren't a top of the tier league, top of the league um, team, but they still have Steph Curry. They they had a fully healthy roster, and the Timberwolves were missing their two best players. Um, and the Wolves lost by twelve, and that wasn't inflated by like garbage time stuff, like. When starters were going out, the Wolves were down about 12 to 15. I don't remember exactly what the score was there, but the Wolves were in it for the majority of this game. And, you know, it got to 20 um, at, at a point, and then the Timberwolves brought it back down. Um, and, and it was an encouraging thing to see because um, they they couldn't afford to get blown out by, like, 40. Like, that just was going to kill everything. And the Timberwolves still are pretty, you know, abysmal. They're struggling, and you know there's not a lot to hang your hat on right now. But there is a one specific thing I wanted to talk about. First off, I wanted to talk about what this game in general. I don't think these Tim- these wolf uh, excuse me wolves warriors games really say much about the Minnesota Timberwolves. I don't think you can read too much into it, considering that the Timberwolves were without their best players, and you know even Jared Culver got hurt there, didn't play in the second one. So I don't think you can read a lot into into the Timberwolves. Um, a couple nuggets in here and there that I'm going to touch on, but specifically as a team, you know, it's hard to draw a lot of conclusions when you don't have your two best players. My question is, what does this say about the Warriors? Obviously, the Warriors aren't technically fully healthy because Klay Thompson is not playing this season, but still a fully healthy team outside of that that is immensely more talented than this Timberwolves team. Steph Curry is one of the five, six best players in the entire NBA. Andrew Wiggins is apparently an all-star, according to to Warriors fans and national media people, and a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. And then um, Draymond Green, really, really good defender, solid, you know, just makes a huge impact on the court. Kelly Oubre is not having a great season, but he still would have been like the Wolves' second or third best player, um, probably second best player behind Malik Beasley. So what does this say about the Warriors? Um, I, You know, it's not great for them if, if they're putting up this type of effort. Obviously, they did enough to win both games, but I expected it to be worse against a Timberwolves team that has looked really bad and just you know, has no direction, it seems, until Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell are both back. So that's really, really the struggle there. But for the Warriors, it's like, wow, congrats. Like, you you beat the Timberwolves in not, you know, 
great fashion. You never really pulled away and like solidified a win against this poor team early on. It just doesn't say good things about the Warriors. And I don't want to, you know, just like bring the Warriors down or anything because obviously they have a much better record than the Timberwolves. Um, but I just want to mention that. I just think that it says some things about the Warriors. The other thing I wanted to bring up quick was uh, Andrew Wiggins. Finally got to watch Andrew Wiggins play against Minnesota. So I kind of keyed in on him for for much of both of those games. So I wanted to kind of talk about Wiggins, talk about what I saw and how that compares to his time in Minnesota. So in game one, Andrew Wiggins ended up scoring 23 points. He had six rebounds. He didn't have an assist. He had three steals, three blocks, um, and was a plus 22 in just under 30 minutes. He played really well. Um, and, and those are performances that we've seen from Andrew Wiggins in a Minnesota Timberwolves uniform. Um, you know, maybe not the three blocks, but we've seen games with three steals and six rebounds and 23 points. Um, I think the one big thing that we can notice is the engagement on the defensive side of the ball has been different from Wiggins over his so far, what, 16, 17 games in Golden State so far. And we've seen Wiggins engaged on defense for stretches in Minnesota, but it never went out 30 games or anything like that. And that's where he's really going to solidify himself. Um, in my mind and a bunch of other people's minds, is when he does this for half the season. If this continues for half the season, then you can buy it. But just seeing the highs and lows in Minnesota, it's something I haven't personally been able to buy into this season. I think he's looked good, but I, I feel like I've seen these stretches again. His shot selection doesn't look different. He looks like he's taking the same shots. He's knocking down threes with a higher clip, which is good, but I, I would be surprised if that stays at 40% all season long where it's at currently um, because I just don't think that it, you know, I think it's going to kind of regress back down to the mean of like 35 or 36%, which he's, you know, shot in times before in his career. Um, maybe he'll be better than his career average of like 34%, but uh, I don't expect him to stick up there. He's currently at 39.3%. I, I would be really surprised if that is where Wiggins um, stuck. But, you know, he's been doing better in that sense. And he hasn't been finishing at the rim very well, but I have noticed it feels like when he misses at the rim, he kind of typically gets his own rebound and puts that back in, which is something that is a little bit new as well. Um, so that's good for him. But production-wise, he's relatively the same player, and he just averages more blocks. But he averages less steals, um, less assists, about the same rebounds. Um, he's shooting about the same from uh, two-point range as well as he did the last you know year in Minnesota. So you know he's been a good player, um, and they're they're saying his defense has really improved, and and it definitely has. He's been more engaged, but I think part of that comes with he's not always he's not always guarding the best wing on the opposing team. You know he's been spending a lot of time on the second best wing, and Kelly Oubre's kind of been taking that role of of taking the, the best wing on the opposing team, which leaves Wiggins to be the, uh, you know, the weak side help defender, get those blocks, get those deflections and all that type of things, which he's been taking a lot more pride in this year. And, you know, that probably comes with playing alongside a Steph Curry and a Draymond Green that, you know, can really, you know, help someone stay engaged. Steph Curry, not a great defender, but... Um, he's a passable defender because he's engaged while he's on the floor most of the time. 
and he has good defenders like, you know, Oubre and Draymond Green around him, which has always allowed him to be better as a team defender. Um, and that's kind of what I'm seeing from Andrew Wiggins. I don't think he's a defensive player of the year candidate like has been um, suggested before and anything. But I don't want to speak on Andrew Wiggins for a long time because um, he's not a Timberwolf anymore. We saw him for two games. I think the Wolves will play the Warriors one more time this season. And that's pretty much going to be it. So I don't want to go too in-depth on that. I just wanted to kind of touch on that after really watching Wiggins for two full games. Um... And then that's that's my takeaway from that. But moving on, I want to talk about the one thing I one of the things I think we can take away from uh, these two Warriors games, or specifically the second Warriors game first, and and that is uh, Anthony Edwards. Edwards looked really good in Game Two. He looked really solid, and that is something that I think um, is really impressive because. Edwards so far this season he's he had some really good games um earlier in the year where you know we were pretty impressed but lately he's been kind of down and the shooting percentages have been getting even worse and it's it's not looking good he's been playing like one of the worst rookies that gets like legitimate rotation minutes and that's not what you want to hear from from your number one overall draft pick but in game two against Golden State he uh, he dropped 25 points he grabbed four rebounds, dished out two assists, had three steals, um, three turnovers, uh, was nine of 19 from the field, five of eight from three, which means he was, you know, four of 11 from from two-point range, which which wasn't great. You know, you definitely want to see him doing better than that. But uh, the, the five for eight from three is, like, extremely encouraging where um, – you know, like he's gonna. You can see there's gonna be a game where where Anthony Edwards drops eight threes and like forty points, and we're just living, you know, the high life. Um, and that was really good to see him, you know, play in that way. He was really aggressive attacking the rim. He was really um getting good looks from three and knocking them down. Some of that might have come with you know being on national television, playing against James Wiseman, wanting to prove yourself. Which I'm happy, by the way, that they both scored 25, and the Timberwolves don't have to hear about. We don't have to hear about how the Timberwolves made the wrong, dra- you know, draft selection on draft night, made a huge mistake. You know, Wiseman was a clear number one for the Wolves, and blah 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 blah. I was happy to see them play, you know, at the same level in that game. Um, so I just want to touch on that. Edwards looked really good. You can, you again, you can see the potential there and how good this kid can be. And, like, the Wolves have legitimately four players that can just go get you 20 points. Um, they're capable of doing that. You know, with, with Cat, D'Lo, Beasley, and uh, Anthony Edwards. Like, that's three people, four people capable of scoring you 20 points. I'm not saying they're all going to average 20 points, but that's four very capable people. That's going to be important for the Timberwolves' um, offense when... When they get to, uh, you know, a fully healthy squad. But the next person I want to talk about is Nas Reed. Nas Reed is a player that I actually wrote about recently. I think only a few days ago. I don't know. I've written a lot lately and I can't remember <laughs> when everything came out. But I wrote about Nas Reed just the other day. And I think it was after the Pelicans game. Before either of these Warriors games. And Nas Reed has looked really good. Right now, Nas Reed is averaging 12 points, uh, 
just under five rebounds, 1.2 assists, 1.6 blocks, which I believe is now 10th in the NBA. He had five blocks against the Warriors last night. And he's shooting uh, 60%, no, excuse me. Um, yeah, 60.9% from two, 38.8% from three. And he's playing just 22 minutes a night. So his per 36 stats, he's looking like a 19.6 points, um, which act, which is weird. It's the exact same as last year. But 19.6 points on better efficiency. Um, you know, eight rebounds, two assists, two and a half blocks in 36 minutes. He's not going to be a 36-minute guy. The Timberwolves have Carl Anthony Towns. <clears throat> Excuse me. But Nas Reed is a really important piece to this Minnesota Timberwolves team. He's progressed as a player a lot since last season. Not only just offensively, but defensively as well. Nas has taken some really good strides. He seems much more aware on the basketball court, which is huge because the Timberwolves have needed um, just bigs that can recognize things defensively. And I'm not saying Nas Reed has been great defensively um, in certain sets. Like, he still doesn't look great, you know, defending um, in the pick and roll. But... He has actually really solid, you know, shot blocking um, prowess and, you know, instincts, which is something that I didn't really think we would get from Nas Reed um, in his career just because, you know, he isn't the most athletic, but he transformed his body from last season even more. You know, he dropped some weight. He looks more athletic. He looks quicker, which has definitely helped. But you got to remember. Let's go ahead and just let's paint a picture of Nas Reed right now. An undrafted free agent in the 2019 draft class. So a year and a half ago, Nas Reed was brought in by Gerson Rosas on a two-way contract, and he played his way into a full NBA contract through Summer League. And he is currently 21 and a half years old. He is younger than I am, and I'm young. He's younger than I am. He just turned 21 in August. Um, I'll turn 21 in April, or I'll turn 22 in April. So he is, you know, a, essentially there's there's rookies younger than this guy. He's in his second year, um, and the the progression we've seen in just the season plus. Okay, let's put this into perspective. He's played 47 games in his career, so he's played basically half of an NBA season, and he's already a guy that is shooting. 60% from two, almost 40% from three, and is scoring 12 points a game in 22 minutes. Like, that guy deserved to be drafted in the first round, and the Minnesota Timberwolves got him in the, in the undrafted free agency after the draft. Nobody thought Nas Reed was worth drafting. I know there was question marks about his weight and his ability to be in shape. Those question marks are gone. He looks good physically, athletically. He's transformed his body. And apparently he's one of the most coachable guys in the league. And I believe it because look at the progression. He's been amazing in that sense. The progression is there. He's looked great from just rookie Nasri to now has been a huge step forward. And he's not done growing. He's a legitimate backup you know, center in the NBA, and that is just amazing to see. Dane Moore um, actually tweeted out some size comparisons because, you know, people, you know, you think Nas Reed, he's six foot nine, 
seems like an undersized center in the league. Uh, but Dane did point out that there's a couple other, you know, really good centers um, that are also six foot nine. Um, so just using combine numbers, which, you know, is like the most legitimate numbers you can find. Bam Adebayo is six foot eight and three quarters inches. Nas Reed is six foot eight and three quarters inches. Jared Allen is six foot nine. Those guys are, you know, essentially um, the same size as Nas Reed. And then standing reach, Nas is at nine foot one. Bam's at nine foot. Allen's at nine foot one and a half. So they're basically same uh, height, length. Nas is obviously not quite as athletic as either as either of those guys. He's not as fluid as Bam on a bio, but he's not an undersized center, and I, that's like the main point. I'm not saying he's on the level of Bam. That's not what Dane's saying. We're just talking strictly size comparisons. You know, he's he's not an undersized center. Yeah, he's not the seven foot giant that is Carl Anthony Towns. Um, he's not a Nurkic or a Duell Embiid, but he's not like an undersized PJ Tucker center. He's not. You know, a team that goes out and throws like, I don't know, like Grant Williams, who's like six foot seven at the center. Like that's not who Nas Reed is. He's he's a bigger guy than that. Um, and he, I don't think he's as two hundred sixty four pounds that he was as a rookie either. He's definitely taken some of that weight off. Um, but he's a beast. Um, and the one thing I really wanted to bring up with Nas Reed, and this was also brought up by Dane Moore. Um, if you guys don't know who Dane Moore is, first off, what are you doing? Second off, go check out his podcast. It's the Dane Moore NBA podcast centered around the Timberwolves. Uh, he's a beat writer for the Timberwolves, or I should say beat podcaster for the Timberwolves. He doesn't write a lot right now. Um, he's taking the podcasting thing, you know, head on, and he's doing a great job with that. So don't miss his podcast, seriously. Just go watch it. Um, but Dane tweeted something out, and I'll read it. Um, you know, I'll quote it here just to kind of give you guys a context of why I was thinking about this. He said, quote, obviously Nas isn't cat. But one concerning thing going forward is that Nas has been pretty awesome over this catless stretch. Um, he had 16 and 17 tonight. So if the pos- if the five position hasn't been a big problem, that's the reason to doubt the idea that everything will be fine when cat is back, end quote. Now, I don't know Dane's stance on this. I think, you know, Dane recently had a podcast on uh, King's Pulse with uh, one of the King's writers and they were just talking about um, Cat coming back eventually and and Dane said that he thinks the Wolves will probably be around 500 basketball and Cat's back and that's my stance on it too I think that's where uh, the Timberwolves are going to end up being when we have a fully healthy team but I think the question here that Dane brought up is pretty um, interesting but I kind of had to take about this and I tweeted it out you know quote tweeted it last night and I said I think it's more about Ed Davis than I do think it's about um, Towns because the, the the thing about it is in the world where Carl Anthony Towns comes back which is a world we're hoping to see here hopefully in the next couple weeks at the latest um, you're not replacing Carl Anthony Towns with Nas Reed you're, you're essentially replacing Ed Davis with um, with Nas Reed and then replacing Nas Reed with Carl Anthony Towns. So you're taking um, Ed Davis, who is a non-floor spacer, 
non-threat really to score the ball unless he's spoon-fed near the basket and he can get a dunk. You're replacing that with Nas Reed, who has a similar skill set to Carl Anthony Towns. Again, like Dane said, and like I'm saying right now, Nas is not Cap. They are two different level of players, but they share a lot of similarities in the fact that they can space the floor, they can take players off the dribble, they finish well around around the basket. Obviously, like I said, space the floor, they shoot the ball really well. Um, and they're, they're actually pretty... Cat's a good passer. I think Nas is an okay passer. Um, so... That's where I think it comes into like a big thing is Nas then shifts from Cat's role and Cat will fill that better than Nas does. And Nas goes into his own role back on the bench where he can open up the floor for the bench guys. He's going to open up the floor for Anthony Edwards to get to the rack. You know, instead of Ant trying to play with Ed Davis where, you know, Ed is either, you know, out on the three-point line and his guy is sagging off, causing a clogged lane, or Ed is literally in the lane when Ant's trying to drive. You're not going to get that with Nas Reed nearly as often. Now, Nas can operate from the post, don't get me wrong, but Nas uh, spaces the floor really well and is actually really solid as you know a driving type of player. And having that on the bench, where you're opening up more lanes for Edwards, for Jarrett Culver coming off the bench... Um, that's going to be good. And you give Ricky Rubio someone like Nas Reed to play with, who is very capable um, you know, of being an offensive threat. And Ricky Rubio thrives off of having people that can make shots around him. I'm sorry, but Jarrett Culver, Ed Davis, um, being on the floor at the same time with Ricky Rubio just isn't great. But you can probably survive with Jarrett Culver and Nas Reed. And that's where I think it's important because... Nas Reed's going to, you know, get set up a lot better by Ricky Rubio than, than Ed Davis is. And I just think the, the floor is going to op- open up for those bench guys like the floor opens up for the starters with Cat. You know, Cat really does open many doors um, for the offense um, and even the defense this season, you know, in the starting lineup. And Nas Reed will do that for those bench guys way better than Ed Davis ever is going to has been able to do so that's really important and i think the big thing that's gonna be really interesting to watch and kind of just monitor as uh the timberwolves go on is how close they can be to a top 10 offense now currently the minnesota timberwolves trail only one team in points per game off the bench, you know, and bench scoring. Timberwolves currently score 42.3 points per game with their bench guys. Second to the Detroit Pistons, who score 42.6. Um, the Timberwolves bench also rebounds the ball better than any other bench in the entire league. 20.6 rebounds per game. Um, that is first over, you know... The teams that come in second are like the Lakers and the Orlando Magic. Assists per game off the bench. 10.9 assists per game. They are number one in the league. Steals per game, they are second. Blocks per game, they are, it looks like, eighth. Shooting percentage, they are not great. They are towards, you know, they're like the sixth worst. So they're definitely getting the most shots up 
um, out of anybody. They're shooting the most shots off the bench. They're probably playing their bench guys more. Um, part of that has to do with, you know, garbage time. It does play a factor, don't get me wrong. Um, but those players still are getting the ball in the hoop. Um, and those bench guys right now are not the same bench guys that are going to be with a fully healthy Minnesota Timberwolves roster. So I guess what I'm saying is, that's why I'm still optimistic about this Timberwolves team, is just looking at like these numbers of these bench guys who have been, you know, occasionally it's been like a Jalen Noel, it's been like Jake Lehman, um, those, and it's obviously, you know, it's still Ricky Rubio and Jordan McLaughlin who are, you know, known to be solid NBA players and Anthony Edwards is still there, but the Timberwolves have a good bench question mark. Um, at least it seems to be with all these, you know, these stats. That's like kind of impressive. Um, if the Timberwolves can have one of the better benches, I don't think they have the best bench in the league, but like the Timberwolves maybe have a little bit of depth. And we kind of thought that I remember the first couple games, we kind of thought the Timberwolves had a little bit of depth. Um, and they won some games, you know, against the Jazz, and we're like, wow, this team might have some depth behind Cat. And obviously, it's been a roller coaster since then, but let's not forget that. And now I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, okay, so Cat comes back, and you basically are replacing, like, Ed Davis with Carl Anthony Towns. You know, this Timberwolves team is probably going to be pretty good. I'm, I've been optimistic, and, you know, obviously, you are your record. We're 4-12. and um, which is not good. This team is probably eliminated from the playoff contention by now. You know, not really mathematically, but like, you know, we're not making the playoffs. Um, but there's reason to believe this team's going to be really good when Cat comes back. Like I said, Nas Reed is going to open up the floor for the bench. That's huge. Cat's going to open up the floor for the offense. Um, and when he shares the floor with bench players, just literally everybody, Cat makes everybody around him better. Um, we're seeing consistent growth from people like Nas Reed. Um, Malik Beasley hasn't cooled off at all. He's at 19.9 points per game right now. If he had scored two more points yet so far this season, he'd be averaging a flat 20 points per game. Um, Cat and D'Lo have given you 20 in their games. Edwards, you know, is up and down, but you could think that with cat back he probably gets better because there's more open driving lanes for him um and then you see the growth from like Jaden mcdaniels you see somebody like jared vanderbilt proving that he can be a solid defensive option next to carl anthony towns so if you have a good bench and you have a, a starting lineup with three players that average 20 points per game and then two good defenders like why can't this team be a 500 basketball team fully healthy why can't this team compete with pretty much every other team in the nba um on any given night and i think they can and that's that's where i'm at with this minnesota timberwolves roster and i felt you know it sucks don't get me wrong the offense isn't good it's a really simplified offense that doesn't you know bring a lot to the table doesn't get open shots for their guys but also we have not seen ryan saunders implement an offense with his full roster and i'm going to stick to that but Carl Anthony Towns, DeAndre Russell have played three games to get, no, excuse me, five games together in their entire careers for this season and only two in a row at the beginning of the year and then two that were not back-to-back. They've they barely played together. 
And this team is a lot different than a team with Cat to where, yes, you probably should be getting more pin downs for like Malik Beasley, running more actions for Anthony Edwards. I'm not defending Ryan Saunders in that way. That stuff can still happen. But you're still trying to figure it out with Carl Anthony Towns and all these other options that are on the Minnesota Timberwolves right now. And you can't do that when Carl Anthony Towns is not on the floor and players cannot play with him. I'm sorry, you just can't. You can't implement an offense that way. You can't implement an offense on paper. It has to be done in practice and in games. And the Timberwolves have barely had the chance to do that. And when they've had the chance to do that, they've looked pretty dang good. Especially when Cat had two hands. Right now, he's got one arm. At least he did in the last games he played. We'll see what that looks like when he comes back. Um, but this team isn't the worst team in the NBA. This team is not the worst team in the Western Conference when they have everybody healthy. Um, this team's going to win games, probably, you know, half of their games. They, they have a really good chance to win. That's how we feel about them. Um, and I'm pretty excited about Cat coming back. He's been in COVID protocols now for 14 days, which 10 to 14 days is the league's um, rule. But it is worth noting that um, that doesn't mean he is coming back. I will pull up something here from um, John Krasinski, who writes at The Athletic for the Minnesota Timberwolves, one of the best beat writers in the entire nation. Um, And he quote tweeted something about Jimmy Butler being questionable for tonight's game. Jimmy's been out since January 9th. So Jimmy's been out for almost three weeks. Um, and John just said, you know, quote, a reminder for those asking about Cat and Wancho. Um, Saunders said yesterday, there's no update on when they'll be good to go. Just because protocols say 10 to 14 days doesn't mean you're automatically ready to go as soon as you've reached that mark. It's been nearly three weeks for Butler. Um, and we kind of saw a similar situation with Michael Porter Jr. I think he was out for a while longer than two weeks. So we're not gonna, you know, just see Cat magically on Friday night. I don't think Cat's gonna play Friday night, and actually just got a notification saying Joel Embiid is questionable to play against the Timberwolves on Friday due to back tightness. Uh, but anyways, back to the point. We don't know exactly when Cat's going to come back. We hope he comes back healthy soon. We don't know if he's had symptoms or what his what his whole experience with the coronavirus has been. But when that team gets back together healthy, it's going to be a lot of fun. That's all I'm going to say is I don't think we're going to be as miserable. We're going to have games that we can actually dissect and be like, okay, where do we grow off of this? Because we have a healthy roster. These were the mistakes made. These are what we need to put in to implement some change. And this is how we get the most out of these players. And that's something the Wolves haven't been able to do so far this season. The last thing I want to touch on before I do wrap up this episode is Ricky Rubio. Rubio has been not good this season. Like, really not good. Like, really bad to the point that I was really surprised at how bad he's been playing. I was really excited to see Ricky Rubio play this season. I thought this is a team that he would really benefit playing for. Um, And it just hasn't been so far. And I don't know if that's on him or the players around him or the scheme or what. Probably a combination of all three. But he's only averaging six points. um, Six assists, which is okay. Shooting... 41% from two, which is fine. You know, it's about his career average. But he's shooting less than 20% from three. 18.5%. Not good. But I will... This is why I wanted to bring this up. Is because... Ricky Rubio is not getting benched for Jordan McLaughlin. McLaughlin has been playing much better 
than Ricky Rubio this season. McLaughlin has earned his minutes at the NBA level. First reason, McLaughlin's on a two-way contract. He can only play 50 games this season. He will not play in every game. You just feasibly can't play 72 games when you're only allowed to play 50. Um, the other thing is, Jordan McLaughlin is on a two-way contract, and uh, Ricky Rubio makes $17 million over this season and $17 million again next season, approximately. You're not going to bench that guy for Jordan McLaughlin. Now, will his minutes maybe be reduced a little bit? Sure. Will J-Mac earn minutes going forward still? Of course he will. He's shown that he deserves them. And he probably played himself into a full NBA contract next season. But you're not benching a guy that makes $17 million um, for Jordan McLaughlin. Now, I could see a world where Ricky Rubio gets traded for someone and J-Mac becomes your primary backup point guard um, later on down the season. I could see a world where that happens. Uh, but the only way you're trading Ricky Rubio is if you play him enough t- for teams to see some value in him. And I could see a contender seeing some value in Rubio, but I just don't think um, you know, anybody's going to trade for him right now. But I could see at the deadline somebody wanting him. Um, and I could see if he's not playing well, the Timberwolves wanting to get rid of him. But I don't have any you know, inside knowledge on that anyways. But... Just stop with the stop with the J Mac playing, you know, Rubio's minutes and Rubio being out of the rotation. It's not going to happen. I'd be really surprised if it happens. Um, Ricky is Ryan's guy too. He's Gerson Gerson Rosas guy. He traded for him. He wanted to sign him in free agency last summer. Um, so it's not going to happen. I would love to see more minutes of J Mac too. He's looked really impressive. He's always been impressive. Uh, but that's just something that isn't going to happen, and I'm not the only one that thinks this way. That's something that, you know, pretty much all the beat writers have, you know, mentioned something about. Um, so I just want to touch on that. But anyways, that is, I think, going to do it for today's show. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening. I really do appreciate that. I appreciate all the support on this podcast and on my written work. I've been getting great feedback, and I really do appreciate that. Um, you know, if you guys could subscribe to this podcast or download it or give it a rating or feedback, or whatever, on whatever podcast you, you know, platform you listen on, if that's Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher, or Anchor, or whatever it is, um, if you could, you know, download, listen, um, do all that with every podcast, it helps me out a ton, and I really do appreciate that, Um, but anyways, thank you guys so much for listening, Um, it's Brendan, the Wolves, two-game losing streak against the Warriors, back at it Friday. Um, thanks for listening. Peace. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.